and welcome to Royals Review Radio. I'm your host, Jacob Milham, and welcome to Mondays with Max with our one and only editor, Max Riper. Max, how you doing tonight, man? I'm pretty good, Jacob. It's it's, it's cold, though. It certainly doesn't seem like uh, we should be talking about baseball when a, an Arctic <laughs> storm is coming. I don't know. Are you, are oh, you staying warm? I, no, it's, well, we're out here in Virginia, and, you know, oh, they, okay. consider it, they consider it the quote-unquote south. And so imagine my surprise when we're supposed to get five inches of snow over the Christmas weekend. Um, it is, it's going to be cats and dogs living together, mass pandemonium. Um, if you don't get that reference, I feel very sorry for you. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I'm looking forward to a white Christmas. Max, is that how it's looking like out there? I I, I think we're going to get some snow. I don't know if it's going to stick around or what, but um, I do know that I saw it's going to be a high of four in Kansas mm-hmm. City on Friday. So uh, yeah, that's not that's not good. Um, my wife is like allergic to cold weather. Uh, I can't say I'm a huge fan of it myself, but uh, I guess we'll have to cope with it. I, we'll have to stay warm with thoughts of uh, Royals baseball in the spring, in the summer. Exactly, exactly. Well, why don't we uh, why don't we go turn up that thermostat here a little bit and talk about some of that Royals baseball? Um, unfortunately, it's kind of gone back to being quiet. Um, I don't know if the team expected us to consider Ryan Yarbrough the the major signing of the offseason but so far that's kind of how it seems um there are a lot of free agents i wouldn't say rumors but a lot of free agent updates that do pertain to the royals though um and i feel like we have to start off with zach granke first um now there were reports that granke and the royals were close to coming together on an agreement but once the pitching market really ticked up in free agency they split apart and they haven't come back together for that. Max, as a as a guy who was not around for the first tenure, like I, I wasn't really this deep in the Royals baseball for the first tenure of Zach Granke. Is there a concern that the Royals like lowballed him and we're seeing the second coming of this whole contract dispute between the two? Yeah, I don't I don't know if they're really that far apart. Um, I think what happened was the Royals were like, hey, we'd love to bring you back, Zach. Uh, Probably something around what you got uh, last year. You got 13 million dollars last year. I think they were expecting maybe a little bit lower considering he's going to be 39 years old next year. And Zach said probably said something like, yeah, that's in the ballpark. We can do something like that. I'm happy to come back to Kansas. I mean, there were reports that he was willing to come back to Kansas City. He kind of wants to end his career here. and then once the free agency period began, we saw contracts like Matthew Boyd, who pitched 13 innings last year, has a career ERA of like 4.8. He got a $10 million deal with the Tigers. Uh, you know, there's been a lot of uh, money sloshing around to pretty below average pitchers. Uh, so it's been a hot market. Uh, Seth Lugo, a pitcher the Royals had been pursuing as a starter, even though uh, he's, he's, he's been an effective reliever, but not a very good starter in the past. Uh, he had a lot of suitors. Um, the Padres ended up signing him this week for a two-year, $15 million deal, which is kind of surprising considering uh, his track record as well. So it's a hot market. And so understandably, I think Granke's representation saw that and said, you know what, $13 million is probably not fair market value for what we what he gave you last year, which was, you know, like 1.9 uh, wins above replacement, according to fan graphs, you know, the second best pitcher on the staff behind Brady Singer, uh, one of the best walk rates in the league. Um, so yeah, he's old, but, um, you know, still pretty effective. 
And so, you know, there's probably they're probably not that far apart. I think Ken Rosenthal at the Athletics suggested they could do a low base salary with like incentives based on how many innings, you know, provided Zach stays healthy, he would, you know, get the 13 million or more than that. So I don't, I would still expect a deal to get done, but um, it, it's taken maybe a bit longer than I think people ex- expected. Uh, I did write something this week, uh, a little provocative. Are we sure that Zach Greinke should come back? I, I pose it to you. Uh, you know, you know, he's, he was a solid pitcher last year, but he is 39 years old. I mean, like, does that really fit in a rebuild? Uh, I don't know. What do you think about bringing back a kind of a, an old man Greinke? Who's a, you know, an, <laughs> one of my favorite Royals of all time. I'm not a Greinke hater. I've, I've always loved him. I was a huge fan of him when he had a Cy Young season. I love his his blunt assessments of of teammates and opponents. Uh, but is that roster spot and the money maybe better off being spent on a younger player who could be here for the long term? Well, I don't foresee any player that is going to be here for the next competitive window that the Royals could sign to a similar contract, if, if that makes sense. You know, the Royals, you, you see it all the time. With especially with Kansas City, hey, we're, we're close to competing. We're close to competing. I still think that this team is not really going to compete in 2023, barring some major leaps from players. So you have to ask the question: Okay, are they going to sign a guy for let's say three years at 12 million annually? That's a three-year, 36 million dollar deal. I don't foresee them signing that deal for some reason. One, because I don't think that there's a good enough pitcher in that price range that they should go out and get. And I don't think that they have the people or the power to close with some of these free agents that you would want to have for your next competitive window. They're sometimes you just have to have arms fill up the rotation. And frankly, Grinky was okay last year. I thought he was going to be more of a shell of himself, but the guy was still up there. He was baffling pitchers. He still had great control something that a lot of these young pitchers don't have is that control. So maybe keeping them around for another year is worth it just for some of that consistency. I'll be honest with you, Max. I came into this off season and I thought that Greinke staying around with this team was like a given. Like I thought it was, I thought it was a lock. I didn't think you'd want to go anywhere else. And maybe this is just a negotiation tool. Maybe they're saying, Oh, you know, we're, we're going to, evaluate our options just to try and get some more money out of Kansas city. That's just an idea. I'm not saying that's what is happening all in all. I think Zach Granke does provide value to this young Kansas city Royals rotation, but you're right. I mean, in the grand scheme of things, he's not going to impact the long-term Royals plan. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, I don't think you're wrong either. I mean, like, yeah, I think and I think you make a real good point about like what are they what's the alternative, right? Like I think it would make a lot of exactly. sense to to bring in if you're gonna pay thirteen million or fourteen million to Granky for one year, why not, you know, do give that instead to Sean Manaya for three years, you know, thirteen million plus you know, a, a per season, then you're getting that kind of Granky you know, you're 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 paying for like a Granky for the next three years, you know, except he's younger and perhaps has more upside. Uh, that being said, maybe Sean I doesn't want to come to Kansas City. I mean, it's certainly understandable he would not yeah. want to come come back here. Uh, you know, if he's got an offer from the Giants, who have a very good reputation of turning pitchers around, and it's in California, and they're more of a contender than the Royals are, 
um, that's a hard sell to, to bring him to Kansas City. So Granky's at least a guy that a free agent that's like I, I'm willing to come to Kansas City. I have good memories of there. I like it's comfortable. Um, I have a good relationship with George Brett. I'm willing to come to Kansas City. And so, you know, we, we can't assume that any player would be willing to come here. Now, if you throw enough money at him, I think he makes it a lot more palatable to lure free agents. So um, I guess my my and I, I think you're right they, that Granky does provide some value. Uh, certainly as a mentor, I, I think uh, guys like Brady Singer and Daniel Lynch have talked about, you know, Granky being able to be kind of, a, uh, a, you know, like I said, that giving that blunt assessment of like, here's what you're doing wrong. Here's what you should be doing. Um, and, and I think also kind of leading by example, the way he kind of conducts himself and, and what he knows about pitching. Uh, I think just goes and attacks hitters and says, you know, I, I don't throw like I used to, but I'm still going to hit my spots and see what they can do. And, and that seems to, to work for him, and that's a good example for these you know, these younger pitchers that nibble, 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 and don't uh, aren't willing to to kind of attack hitters. So there is some value in that. I just think sometimes that gets a little overstated. And is that was it worth thirteen million dollars in a roster spot that could go to another pitcher? I don't know. I was just kind of posing the question. Uh, honestly, if it was up to me, I, I'd probably at least look to to find someone else that's a little bit younger, a little bit more long-term to fill that spot. But, but, but maybe there's no one out there. And if no one else is out there, then Granke is certainly not a bad alternative. I certainly wouldn't mind having Zach back for another season. Yeah. And I think, you know, now I am going to have some questions if Kansas city does kind of give into, let's say he has some crazy demands. Like let's say he wants to have a no trade clause or, you know, he wants a multiple year deal. Cause I, I wouldn't be surprised. Maybe he thinks that he has enough, he had a good enough performance last year and enough left in the tank. Like, Hey, maybe I can pull a two, even three year deal out of a team just to be that consistent veteran presence. Um, I, I would be comfortable with the Royal signing him to a one year deal. I would be very hesitant at two and I would be frankly, I'd, I'd be furious at three. Um, but that is, that's a whole lot of what ifs and, and such. I'm going to keep my pulse really close to any Zach Granke news. And if you want to stay up to date on all Royals news, please go check out RoyalsReview.com. Uh, you can also find all the work from the team at Twitter and on Facebook. Now, Max, we, we might as well call this the, the reunion episode. I think that's what I'm going to put the title <laughs> because the other news that had the Royals fandom buzzing this week was the Eric Hosmer being DFA'd and it started swirling in. Well, what if, what if he came back to Kaufman? Would the Royals bring him in? What would he bring to the team? Max, before we get too deep into it, I do just want to know what was your initial reaction to seeing Hosmer, you know, hit free agency? Well, I was kind of surprised. I mean, the Red Sox, uh, well, first of all, the Royals kind of, they started the domino uh, effect of, of what of transactions that got him released. Uh, they ended up trading uh, uh, right-hander Wyatt Mills to the Red Sox. Um, they actually designated Mills for assignment earlier this week to make room for Ryan Yarbrough. So Mills was available. So the Red Sox wanted to acquire him. So we were able to trade him to the Red Sox for a minor league pitcher that was not on the 40-man roster named Jacob Wallace. Good velocity kid who doesn't know how to throw a strike, so he's a project. But you know what, what do you expect for Wyatt Mills, who was frankly that not that impressive in 20 innings for the Royals last year? Mills was the guy that we got in the Mariners trade for Carlos Santana. Anyway, long chain of events. But 
since the Red Sox acquired Mills and had to put him on the 40-man roster, they needed to take someone off the 40-man roster, and they decided to take Eric Hosmer off the 40-man roster, designating him for assignment. Now they have, I think, 10 days to decide whether or not they want to trade him or flat-out release him. Uh, they are not on the hook from pretty much all of his contract. The Padres are paying the $39 million, most of the $39 million over the next three years that is owed to Hosmer, so this doesn't really cost Boston anything. But I was a little surprised because – they're a team that is still trying to contend. Hosmer is not what he once was, but he was still a league average hitter last year. Uh, so you'd think at the very worst, he'd be able to be a good bench bat. I know they have a young first baseman by the name of Tristan Casas, uh, who uh, is they think is major league ready. But, you know, what if he's not ready on day one? Hosmer would be a nice hedge against that. You let Hosmer start the first couple of weeks, uh, you know, even game the service time a little bit for the young prospect. Uh, and then maybe you, you know, if 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 Casas is ready in May or June, you designate Hosmer for assignment. Then maybe look for a trade. Maybe a contender wants to trade for him. Then uh, as he's a cheap option, since San Diego is paying his contract, and you know, if he's still decent, uh, maybe as even has a a renaissance a little bit, uh, you mm-hmm. might actually get some for him. So I was surprised they flat out released him now. Um, and I, you know, I don't know. It's it's, it's he's not terribly old. He's thirty three, and yeah. we certainly see the older guys kind of have a nice comeback. Uh, look at Albert Pujols last year. So, you know, I don't know. Do you think Hosmer has anything left in the tank at this point? I I think he has what you said that he had in Boston last year. He's going to be a league average hitter. He's going to have some, I still think that he has some pop. Um, his, his OPS over the past three years, I believe I saw, was above league average. So his bat still has some value. Um, I think that his his drawback is his defensive versatility right now, maybe. Um, so maybe that's why Boston wanted him out of the clubhouse. But I think that if a contender wanted to sign Hosmer, I think they could do much worse, especially if they were shallow at first base, which is rare. I feel like there's a lot of kind of underrated first baseman that fit a similar profile to Hosmer, especially right now between the minors and some of these uh, newer players. But I still think he has value. He's not going to get the major contract again that he had coming to San Diego. I think that was a mistake by the Padres in hindsight, but I think Hosmer definitely has a future, you know, bouncing around the league for the next few years, at least now, there, I would say the overwhelming majority of Royals fans at least brought up the question, should his next stop be Kauffman Stadium? Um, I'll get my opinion in, but Max, I want to let you have the floor first. Should Hosmer come back to Kauffman in a Royals uniform? Yeah, I would tend to say no, just because, and again, it's not a cost thing. Like he would be, if the Royals were to pick him up, it would be for the league minimum. Cause like I said, San Diego's paying the bulk of his contract. But, you know, this is an opportunity this year to play Nick Prado and Vinny Pascantino at first base and see what they can do. They can do. Uh, so I just don't see the at-bats there for, for Hosmer. And, you know, with Granke, you know, we were talking about whether, we, whether or not we should bring Granke back. At least there are innings for a guy like Granke. Like, there are innings that need to be filled, and you can't fill them all with young pitchers. First base, I think, is a little bit different story. You could you could put uh, you could put Prado there. You could put if he's not ready, you could put Pascantino there. I mean, you, you could put O'Hearn there. He's still on the roster. I know it's not a palatable <laughs> option for a lot of people, but I mean, like even Salvi could play first base. You could put Melendez behind the plate. Maybe Melendez plays first base. 
uh, Hunter Dozier is probably if you're, if you're going to keep him on the roster, his best position is probably first base. Uh, so there, there are a lot of options at first base that you don't need to bring in a guy like Harry Gosmer. And I, you know, I get the argument about, you know, again, clubhouse presence, you know, can a veteran like that show the young guys a thing or two, maybe, but I just don't see the value in it at this point. I'd rather see the the playing time given to the younger guys. Um, so I, I don't know. How do you feel about a reunion and, and, and a nostalgia tour with Eric Cosmer one more time? Yeah, I think, I think that really is weighing heavily on him coming back is, is the nostalgia. We, we want to see more, more of that, um, that world series team back, you know, maybe that's one reason. And we'll honestly, I, I can't believe I'm saying this, but we're actually going to talk about Mike Moustakis later on in the, in the episode somehow, but, um, Hosmer just like you said, there's not a whole lot of opportunity for him to show what value he has to this team in 2023. Really? Um, he's not going to make a dramatic position change at this point in, in his career. Um, he's been a first baseman, always will be a first baseman and DH combo, in my opinion. And between Vinny, Nick, and even Hunter Dozier and Ryan O'Hearn, yes, Max, you are right. They <laughs> provide the most value at first base. Um, I think the league minimum can be spent wiser, wiser somewhere else, believe it or not. Um, I will. I, I feel like you have to point out though, it would get more fans kind of out to the stands. We saw his reception when he came back to coffin. So there's no denying that, right? Yeah, maybe. I don't, I don't know how many fans are, are going to come out. I mean, maybe the, the, the novelty at first, like, Oh yeah. Hosmer's back. Let's go to a game in April. But um, you know, if, and if he hits maybe, but, you know, if he's hitting, you know, 240 in June, and I don't think fans are coming out to see him then. No. Uh, but, yeah, I don't know. Maybe, uh, you know, it's I, and I don't I think he probably just have something a little something left in the tank. I mean, it wouldn't surprise me if like Tampa Bay or Miami picked him up for, for you know, league minimum and gave him play on a semi regular basis. And he ended up, you know, being pretty good, especially like a team like Tampa, because, you know, the big the big knock on Hosmer throughout the years has been he just hits the ball on the ground too much. If he had a little more loft to a swing. He could hit for, you know, more home run power uh, because he's got good power. Just, you know, he's got that swing where the ball just goes, you know, straight to the ground. Um, and if they could convince him to, you know, they're a team that's tinkered with some swings and gotten better results. And and, and if, he, if, if he were to go there and buy into that, you know, who knows, maybe he has a career year. So that wouldn't surprise me at all. Um, but I, I just don't see the, I don't see the playing opportunities here, frankly. And um, so, yeah, it might be fun for nostalgia's sake. Uh, and we've done a lot of that lately, right? Bringing back Esky, bringing yep. back Greg Holland, bringing back Wade Davis, and none of those really went that well. So I don't, I don't know. Uh, I guess I'm a little dubious that an Eric Hosmer reunion would would ultimately work out well. Let's just remember him for the good times we had in uh, 2014 and 15. Exactly, exactly. Let let good things lie, and please don't ruin it. I mean, <laughs> and I'm I, I'm going to go I'm going to go off a tangent here. Greg Holland's second stint in Kansas city really kind of wiped away a lot of that great memory of how just really how dominant he was. And I don't, I don't want to see that for, for Eric Cosmer. I still feel like he's a very well-liked guy in Kansas city. I remember all the chatter about him after he went to San Diego and a lot of folks seemed pretty down on him 
you know, chasing the money, going out to the the, the big market West Coast team. You know, it's, it's the perfect villain story for Kansas City Royals fans. But I think everyone kind of looks at him with rose colored glasses now, right? Yeah, and it makes me wonder, too. I wonder how the Royals would have handled the situation had they, won, you know, kind of won that contract if Hosmer had signed here to something similar to what San Diego signed him to. I don't think they would have designated him for assignment this early. I mean, like, San Diego is a much more transactional team than the Royals. Yeah. And even even with Dade Moore gone now and J.J. Piccolo, you know, running the team, you know, I think Hosmer would still probably be the first baseman right now. And, and what, what does that mean for Nick Prado? I don't know. So it would be really interesting to see, like, an alternate universe – where the Royals do keep Hosmer and like, does that, does he have the same kind of career? Does, you know, the team kind of, are they hanging on to a bad contract at this point? I don't know. That, that's kind of a interesting, you know, uh, alternate universe to think about. For sure. For sure. Well, Hey Max, thank you for that. And before we get too late into the episode, here is a quick ad break from our sponsors. And we are back with Royals review editor, Max Riper. So, Max, we just got done talking about Granky. We just got done talking about Hosmer. And there, I feel like we have to talk about it. There was an article linking Mike Moustakis, of all people, back to the Kansas City Royals. Um, it was put out by Fansided's blog, Red Machine, which is, a is I considered a fairly decent website. Got some good insights and things like that. And Reds, the Reds are trying to find a way to dump Mike Moustakis on another team right now. And they suggested a one for one swap with none other than Hunter Dozier. <laughs> now, Max, we talked about two reunions, one that may happen and one that we're both don't want to happen. How would you feel about a Mike Moustakis reunion in Kansas City? So, you know, funny, I was just kind of writing a similar article about you know, what can the Royals do with Hunter Dozier at this point? Because there's a piece at the the Athletic where Ken Rosenthal talking about the Royals trying to trade Hunter Dozier, and you know, good luck with that. But that if they couldn't trade him, you know, they would try to stick him in right field or first base. But barring, you know, if they can't fill the third base role, they would stick him at third. Now, I think we're pretty familiar with Hunter Dozier's defense at third; it's not very yeah. good. Uh, so, uh, you know, that seems like a not very palatable outcome. Uh, and so, you know, I was trying to think: well, could we trade him to another team for a bad contract? And like fan side, I came up with the idea, you know, I was like, well, Cincinnati has a third baseman that they're looking to trade that has a bad contract named Mike Moustakis, who we're very familiar with. Uh, now, Hunter Dozier is owed $16 million over the next uh, two seasons, so 23 and 24. Or, yeah, 23 and 24. Moustakis is owed $18 million over over just 23, plus a $4 million buyout in 24. So Moustakis is owed a little bit more. Uh, Moustakis is a little bit older, too. Uh, and he, I don't, I, I have look, I haven't really, I've just kind of glanced at his defensive metrics, but my understanding is he's, he's below average, but not, not Hunter Dozier bad. So mm-hmm. it makes a little bit of sense, doesn't it? Like I, you know, I don't, I like, I, I just got done saying, I don't want to see nostalgia tours. I don't want to see, uh, bringing back guys just for the sake of bringing back guys. But if, if it makes baseball sense to bring in who can play better defense, may have a little bit more power left in his bat. Uh, I'm not expecting great offensive numbers from Moustakas at this point, but he can, he, he, I think he has a chance to provide a little more uh, value than Hunter Dozier at this point, And he would just fit the roster a little bit better. Plus I think it gives you a chance to maybe front load that money. So instead of paying $16 million over two years, maybe you just go ahead and pay that $18 million. Now maybe the Reds pay, pick up the buyout um, 
and you work it out with them to so they can pick up some of that money. But if you can kind of be free and clear of that money at the end of this season, that kind of opens things up for you in 2024 when you presumably want to spend a little bit more money than they're spending right now. So I think that's an interesting thought. Um, I don't expect it to happen. I think bad contract for bad contract swaps are pretty rare, but I think they're creative and I think it's a interesting way to go about it. Um, so I don't know, like, what do you, I, I, you know, Mike Moustakas is not what he once was, um, but I don't, I don't know. What, what do you, what do you think about bringing him in for Hunter Dozier? I, I think that would be a win for, for the Royals. It's not a, it's not a slam dunk by the team. Don't get me wrong. Like you said, both are bad contracts and both are, you know, below replacement players at this point in their careers. So it's not like you'd be getting a, a franchise changing guy in this trade. But I think the big, the bigger picture is the fact that you wouldn't have Dozier's contract on the books in 2024. That's one step closer to this team being competitive. And, you know, that's one step closer to this team want to be competitive for free agents as well. And it might not be a lot of money to some teams, but to to the Royals, Hunter Dozier's salary is a lot of money annually, especially in 2024. I'm I'm blanking on the number at the top of my head, but I do know it is north of $10 million. So that's something for this team to consider. And just like I said with Hosmer, folks might just you know want to come to Kaufman and see Mike Moustakis again. Um, I think that he was an even more popular player than Hosmer was. At least that's how I remember him. Um, I remember the days of the moose, you know, the moose chance raining down whenever you would do something or whenever you would come to the plate. And it was he was just super popular, especially after he got demoted back down to AAA when things looked really, really bad for him. He came back. It was very, very successful. So I, I could see it. And honestly, this team really needs a third baseman. There's no help coming from the minors. There's not really an option on this 40 man roster at third base. And they've doubled down on Bobby Witt Jr. being the shortstop. You know, that that is one of the few things that we got from the winter meetings for sure from the Kansas City Royals is that Bobby Witt Jr. is going to be the opening day shortstop, not the third baseman like he was last year alongside Alberto Mondesi. Now, you can't make the case that Mondesi is going to get the lion's share of the work at third base. But when's the last time that we can trust Alberto Mondesi to take the lion's share of anything, much less playing most of everyday games right so this team has to do something at third base and i think doing something at third base and getting rid of hunter dozier's contract is uh kind of two birds with one stone yeah and i'm looking at mike mustagas numbers now they're, a little, they're actually a little worse than i imagined but you know they're they're he only his ops was only 30 points lower than dozier's last year and his defense while not good um not as bad as uh, Dozier's, and I didn't. Now he's also moved off third base a little bit. He was DHing a lot last year, which may suggest maybe his defense is not as good as maybe I'm thinking it is. Uh, yeah. But you know, like, but I think the the main the main thing you get, I think, is kind of front loading that contract a little bit, um, and and maybe you know also considering Mustakas is older, maybe you get the Reds to actually eat a little bit more so that you're actually paying less than you would under Dozier. Um, I, I don't know. Like I said, it's these, these kind of trades are pretty rare and, um, 
you know, it's, 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 you're getting crap for crap. <laughs> like, it's not <laughs> like you're getting a good player. And a term Moustakis is not going to be what he once was. Uh, you probably will have to rely on a Moustak or a Monacy maybe playing some third just because Moustakis can't play there all the time. But, uh, I, you know, to, if to move Dozier's contract, you're going to have to be creative. And, you know, if, if Mike, if Mike Moustakis makes some sense, then, then maybe you do it uh, and, and try to get uh, try to move on from Hunter Dozier, who I think at the very least could probably use a change of scenery at this point, just because mm-hmm. you know it, it mm-hmm. hasn't gone well here, and he's he's kind of become a punching bag for the fans, you know. And he seems like a good guy, and I, I feel a little bad for him because you know he is he does seem like such a nice guy, and I'm sure he's trying as hard as he can. He's had some injuries, he had a COVID uh, diagnosis that I think sent him back in 2020. Uh, so he seems like a good dude. He's trying his best, but it just it just hasn't been working out the last couple of years. Yeah, it's been a it's been a pretty brutal stretch for Hunter Dozier over the past couple of years. I think the I think the frustration with fans is more the fact like there's no there's not really an end in sight to that frustration. When you look at the big picture in 2020, he you know we all know how much COVID can affect things down the road. Um, I know me personally, I'm not back to my full physical strength. Like I, I go to the gym at least twice a week and I've noticed a big decline since I had COVID and how long I can run or how much I can lift. So that definitely played something into the COVID shortened 2020 season. And then 2021, we all know how, you know, he said that, that thumb injury really just messed him up for the rest of the season, whether it be mentally, um, he made some bad adjustments to his swing, things like that. Now, I think that if he had, I'd, I, I hate to say this, Max, but I have not heard a reason or an excuse for 2022. And I think maybe that's where some of the fans got disenfranchised. I think if Dozier came out and had an average 2022 season, more folks would be on his side. And if, if my memory recalls, like he had some pretty dang good stretches in 2022. He just couldn't put it all together. So little frustrating um and honestly i'm planning on the royals just keeping dozier for his last two years um are you expecting the same yeah i think that's probably what's going to happen i think there's a a chance they could designate him for assignment in the next year just because there doesn't seem to be a spot for him and i think jj piccolo is probably not quite as wedded to dozier as dayton moore was um, so I think there is a decent chance they, they do move on from him maybe this summer or at the end of next year. But, but, um, yeah, it, 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 it seems like this is a deal that it, it just it didn't work out for the Royals. I don't expect him to kind of turn things around. I mean, you make a good point. Like we're further removed from that thumb injury and his COVID diagnosis and, and it's, it still didn't work out. I mean, he has his power numbers worse than ever last year. Um, which I think is really worrying because that's pretty much his value, is it right? His, his power. Yeah. Um, and so, I, you know, it's hard to see him balancing back at age 31. Um, yeah, I'd love to see it happen, but, um, I, you know, I think they're kind of moving on from it. Doesn't, it doesn't really sound like he has a really, uh, you know, solid role with this team this year. So even if they do keep him on the roster, I just don't know that he's going to get much playing time at all. Yep. Yeah, and. You know, there's only so many plate appearances. There's only so many innings of defensive work to really go around. And if folks aren't going to make the biggest of their opportunities, then you might as well cut bait and see what the next guy can bring up for you. All righty, Max. Well, that is going to do it for our Mondays with Max episode. If folks aren't familiar with you, where can they find you on social media? Uh, for now, I guess at Twitter at uh, M-A-X-R-I-E-P-E-R. 
Uh, you can also follow us at Royals Review uh, for all the latest on uh, the hot stove that's been pretty cold for the Royals. But, but uh, you know, we'll see. J.J. Piccolo, I think, wants to kind of wait out the market a bit. So maybe we'll see some more activity after the holidays. But uh, you can always follow us at Royals Review for all the latest uh, news, news and updates from the Royals. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And again, this is your host, Jake Milham. You can find me on Twitter at jmilltheham. Um, a lot of Chiefs, a lot of Royals content over there as well. And you know what, Max? We didn't even talk about it. Are we going to give folks Mondays with Max next Monday? What do you think? Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm not going anywhere for the holidays, so I'm, I'm game if you are. I don't know if we'll have a whole lot to talk about, but we'll see. I mean, there's, so sometimes things pop up, uh, you know, around the holidays. And uh, you'll, so we'll see. Uh, we'll have to cover it to make sure uh, if there's anything that, that uh, is newsworthy that week. Exactly, exactly. Well, hey, hopefully, hopefully Joe, Mr. Sherman does not put some coal in our stocking and uh, actually <laughs> gives us a gift on Christmas. But we will find out next week on Mondays with Max. And to all of you listeners, please go support us on social media. Please go check out the website. It means a lot to us when you do. It keeps us going uh, both financially and just motivated. So thank you for listening to this podcast. And until next time, go Royals. Go Royals.